Welcome into the show, episode one. I'm joined by my co-host, career advisor, Sergio Patterson. What's up? Attorney, Matt McElroy. Hey. How are you guys feeling about the first show? Excited. Terrified. <laughs> Terrified. That's a good word. Great word. So let me give you guys a little bit of the background of our uh, show right now. It is so early. We all woke up really, really early. Too early. Yeah. yeah. We have, I've been uh, up since about four. <laughs> My three-year-old's sick. It was a nightmare. <laughs> uh, so just to give you guys a little bit of our background of our family life, i got a fiance at home, wants me to spend less time working, wants me more in the house. Sergio, you got two little ones, right? I got two, yeah, seven and three. And Matt, you just got a new baby boy, right? Oh, he's graduated as a toddler now. He's uh, nice. about two months from terrible twos. Oh. Get ready. And yeah, he's a handful. Congratulations. <laughs> well, to make sure no one got stabbed in the making the show by a wife, we had to make sure the show was early. So we agreed to early, early shootings when everyone is asleep and we should be asleep just to make everyone happy. So... Just a shout out to all the wives. We love you. Yay. <laughs> um, so let me talk about the show. Uh, there's been a lot of thought and collaboration we've put into this show. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to make a show that was fun and entertaining around the topics of career, wealth management, and something that would not just make people's lives better, but in the process, give you some entertainment value and um, something that people would enjoy to listen to because let's be honest the topics of career advancement and wealth management are rather boring it's kind of what i'd like to go to sleep to but we're going to try to do something different we're going to try to make something fun something entertaining um and with this show i think where it all makes sense is you know uh in my line of work i work with a lot of successful people and i think when i look back on all the successful clients that i have they got a few elements that are working for them versus their career. They generally make good money. They're good at what they do. Um, the second part is they're good at creating wealth. They invest their money. They're using their money strategically. And then another third part is they know how to protect their assets. I have offices in Las Gatas and Morgan Hill, and I love my job. It's so much fun. I love being able to help and impact people's lives in a positive way. Uh, one thing that makes me unique in what I do is I'm a fully independent wealth manager. And, uh, the reason that's great is I'm not tied by any bank. I can do what's in the best interest of anyone I'm working with. And I've been at this for about 10 years now and I love it. How long have you been independent now? Uh, fully independent, roughly about four years. Yeah. Cause when you started, what were you um, I was just, yeah, yeah I was with a small there, right? Midwest company, um, and it was, it was great, but, you know, the thing is when you're working with any bank or any company, you're tied to the product, you're tied to the investment, and you're not able to always do what you want for whoever you're working with. So that's the thing that, you know, I, uh, I enjoyed working with that company, but then at some point I realized, like, hey, I got to be able to be in a position where I'm not tied yeah. to a certain bank. And yeah, you're, able to you're do underselling it. yourself, man, like you've been at this for like you said 10 years when you started it was like you were hustling man you're grinding yeah and i think that's some of the value that you'll that you can share with the listeners like it's not an overnight thing oh yeah i think you're professional a lot of people drop off 
fairly quickly because it's it is a challenge yeah no it's there's a high failure rate and uh you know yeah i've been at it for a while and i'm fortunate enough to do what i do what i love but yeah it's been it's been great um so that's a bit about me what what drew you to it in the beginning what made you choose that career path you know i think what it really was is I, I had money, a love money, for money, investing. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get rich. <laughs> uh, you know, I actually just love uh, entrepreneurship. I loved looking at companies and analyzing what made them successful. Uh, I was just kind of a nerd in college, and that's what I was drawn to. And then what made the career great was I realized I could have a positive impact in people's lives, right? It's not like with every profession, you can factor in if they're going to be able to retire if you're going to be the reason that they sent their kids to college if you're going to be the reason that got them to buy that house uh, to keep them off the streets in retirement so they don't run out of money so i look at my job and i'm like man i got an important job uh yeah it's money and sometimes it could be a little bit boring but i love the result of what i do i love being able to influence people's lives i love going out to eat and you know seeing someone i work with at dinner at a nice restaurant being like enjoying their life or even seeing them on facebook taking that nice vacation because that all tells me hey i'm doing something good i'm impacting people's lives in a positive manner so that's enough about me let's talk about our career advisor sergio patterson tell us a little bit about what you do man yeah man first off just appreciate you driving your vision and making this happen man like and having us a part of this thing it's awesome um as you mentioned i'm a kind of i guess the career guy the career guru um my career started about 12 years ago and it wasn't you know it wasn't like an overnight success story um i have worked at some of the biggest and best companies in Silicon Valley, from LinkedIn to Google, Amazon, and now Facebook, but it started wearing a suit and washing cars at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, making 11 bucks an hour. And that, I think, taught me about, it really humbled me in a way. And Lee, you worked there too. Uh, You know, I I was just going to say, we both came from that company, and God, it was awful, I'll tell you. But it's a great place to start your career because... You know, there's nothing more humbling than you cleaning a car in a suit and getting your tie yep. sucked into a vacuum cleaner. It is just <laughs> and, and getting the yelled worst. at and getting yelled at while you're yeah, doing it. Yeah, and getting. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I I know what you're talking about. Though. I remember I remember when you guys worked there, and I was listening. And remember the overtime you guys had to work, dude. It was like, it was ridiculous. It was like 12 hour days. Yeah, it was I think odd. you, Matt, you even rented a. Either you or your brother rented a car for me once. That's right. Yeah, when we went to Vegas. <laughs> he <laughs> gave us a pretty good deal. Did the car ever come back? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think it came back to the uh, Vegas Enterprise. Yeah, but I <laughs> so I start with Enterprise because that's that was the foundation. I learned a lot about customer service, sales, hard work. And like I said, it just really humbled me in a way. And it, I was there for way too long. I was there for like four years. And some of the things I'll be getting into are just like, you know, I wasn't afraid to take a risk and quit enterprise when I realized it wasn't for me. I think a lot of people get stuck in these roles and these companies and they're, they're scared to make a move. And something that's worked for me in my career is like when something's not, when you know something's not working, you have to be willing to take that, that step and take that chance. Um, so the only way I broke into tech was by taking a, you know, I took a contract role of making cold calls 
And Lee, I think you did something similar at Sea Beyond, if I remember correctly. You were like walking the streets, oh, selling yeah. door to door snake oil sales <laughs> stuff. Yeah, it was it, terrible. Yeah, those are the hardest jobs. They're they're tough. Yeah. They're, so yeah. common theme here. I had is a like, business owner throw yeah. a shoe at me. <laughs> those hit me in the head. I remember that story. So, um, so that was the first time I got into the tech world. Was at a software sales company doing cold calls. What, what was the company? It was Checkpoint Software. So it's like a firewall company. Oh. It's like a security company. And literally, they they give us a list of random businesses, and we would just call them and be expected to sell. It was it was a terrible idea, a terrible structure, bad business. Cold calling does not work. It's like the worst thing ever. Um, and it's been proven that cold calling doesn't work now. Like you should yeah. use your connections. Your network yeah, yeah. To like well, yeah, <laughs> people just straight up reject you now when they realize what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, quickly, I realized um, sales. By the way, we all sell yeah. Mary Kay on the side. Just to let all the listeners know. <laughs> I quickly realized sales was not for me. Um, and just, you know, I, I think another part of this thing is in your career, you have to understand who you are and your values and, you know, having a quota and just like the, the, just, it just was definitely not for me. I knew I loved connecting with people, helping people out that customer service side of things. That's where I found a role at, at LinkedIn in the customer support and operations world. Um, so that was kind of like my first big break into tech. Um, LinkedIn is hugely. I think you're venturing into LinkedIn now. Matt, yeah, I just updated my profile. Yeah. Oh, pro- oh, yeah, yeah. Well, when I when I was taking the bar exam, that, that was what it was all. I was trying to you know make my LinkedIn all cool and stuff because it's like I had a gap in my work experience because I was in school, but, you know, and concentrating on that main time. And LinkedIn's what everybody looks at now. I mean, people ask for like a link to your LinkedIn yeah. instead of actually submitting resumes and what <laughs> exactly yeah and i think the the deeper we get into this podcast like i'll be able to share more about like what it's like working at places like linkedin and then from linkedin i took a i took a big risk and, and left for google one of the biggest and best companies in the world was there for a little bit we'll share definitely more details on that um and when, again uh, oh sorry so i'm going to cut you off when, yeah. when you were at google were, were you were you contract or were you actually in house full-time employee yeah oh, full-time cool. employee yeah and that's that's the other distinction i think a lot of these big companies have like contract roles and like, I would definitely advise you to try to get a full-time role. Well, dude, uh, here's the thing. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, all these big companies in Silicon Valley, I mean, there's a huge amount of contracting roles and they're kind of sparing when it comes to giving out those employment roles. Right. So yeah, it's like only you, the, the best of the best of the elite get in. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so yeah. what you, I mean, you've had some great success and like, what do you think they're looking for? What's the difference? So first you, you gotta be black or Latino. Ah, uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I can do this. Yeah. All jokes aside. Um, for the audience, you can't see me where I'm at. I'm, I'm black and Latina. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I think it's it's a combination of things. It's like, it's uh, network. It's, you know, connecting with people, understanding how to use your network to help you out. And in the interview process, really, what makes you unique? What makes you different? But first and foremost, I think a lot of people think they can just like apply online to Google. You're, th- millions of people are applying online. It makes no sense. So like, my advice to you is to like scour your network, understand who you know, and leverage those resources. So the way I got into Google, my buddy at LinkedIn knew somebody at Google. He sent my resume to that person at Google. That person referred me. And then I went through a two-month nightmare of an interview process. Wow. Um, but um, and I, I mean, I, could, I don't know if you guys want to like know what that's like right now or later. 
Um, but most of the tech companies have a very similar interview process that'll start with like a phone screen with a recruiter. Then you'll have like a video conference with the hiring manager. And if you pass that, you'll go on site and have like five or six interviews with the team. And then they have a, a panel and it's not one person that makes the hiring decision. It's a group of people that come to a decision based off your interview. So you have to really connect with the interviewers and make sure you stand out. Because so several different people. Yeah. So it's, yeah. And you're competing against a ton of people that are also interviewing. So what, what makes you different? Know your story. And I mean, one thing that I know I do is I try to connect with anyone I'm interviewing with so that they remember, oh yeah, that Sergio guy like played soccer growing up or like whatever. So you have to take a risk in that interview to try to connect on that level. So is it fair enough to say that you think you could help people in their interviewing skills, helping them through the interview process, give them some helpful advice? Yeah, most definitely. I, I mean, at minimum, I can tell you exactly what the process is and share tips and tricks on exactly what I did to get into Google, to get into Amazon, and now I'm at Facebook. Um, so yeah, for sure. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go on to Mr. Matt McGillray. So just uh, for all you people online, the haters, that uh, are the keyboard warriors, don't you talk bad about us because we have an attorney here. Twitter fingers. We will take you out with our legal in-house counsel. Expert counsel. Without further ado, in-house counsel, Matt McElroy. Well, hey, everybody. <clears throat> I am a civil litigation attorney. Um, my practice focuses mainly on real estate issues. I've been at it for about four years now. I'm in my fourth year. And, you know, the main thing, the main takeaway I could tell you of what I've learned about the court process, because I came into this with, like, you know, big eyes thinking that, you know, this is going to be awesome being an attorney. I'm going to fight for justice and all this <laughs> stuff and blah, blah, blah. And it's got the complete opposite. <laughs> My dreams were shattered. <laughs> it, first of all, dealing with other attorneys sucks. I mean, attorneys are just shitty people. I'm just straight up. You said it, not yeah. us. Yeah, I'm, I'm the exception, of course. Of course. Uh, can, you, can you talk more about why they're shitty? I mean, uh, I have my own idea. I would say that, <laughs> you know, the, the biggest thing is that everybody just wants to like throw their weight around or be the big intimidator like it, it, a lot of it is just like especially in the older generation it, like you see a lot of these guys that the, the way the way you kind of know how it works in the attorney world is you when you know you first go against an opposing counsel you get you know a letter or something and you see their bar number their bar numbers on it and the lower the bar number means the more experience usually that they have and so you know some of these attorneys i go against their bar numbers i mean some of them are in the fifty thousand. And just to give you an idea of where that is, I, I'm in the 300,000. I'm 309,000. So so the you, lower your bar number, the more experience you have. Exactly. And oh. so, like, you know, some of these attorneys I, I'm going against, you know, the, the 50,000, they were barred in the 60s, 70s. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so, they, you know, they just kind of they come from a different world where, you know, it's all about, to them, it's posturing, trying to act as, you know, intimidating as you can to scare the other side and, you know, it's not so much based on legal research and what it should be based on. You know what I mean? Like they just, they don't have the skill set that the newer generation is now getting in the fact that of, you know, just legal research in general, like, you know, they're, they're the old way of doing it and looking in a book and figuring it out. You know, now we have online search engines where you can go and, you know, keyword search thousands of cases and all these things and, and you know, find the answer 
10 times quicker than they used to. And some of them are adapting and, and, you know, progressing with it. And then some are just staying back and it just becomes really obvious. And, you know, it's a real, uh, doesn't help them in the long run with their practice. They, uh, it really hurts them. Yeah, dude, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned the experience factor and how that's a thing in your industry. And I think it's a thing in, in your industry as well, Lee, like, Oh, like the more experience you have, like versus the tech, you have 30 somethings being CEOs and running companies Mm -hmm. where it's like age has no meaning Mm -hmm. or like Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter. It's like what your, your work and value is. So I think like that would drive me nuts. Oh yeah. 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 Like, well, and then, you know, you get, you get all these attorneys, like some of them, like I said, have been practicing like 30, 40 years. They see me, I come from a school that's like, you know, so, so, and I've been practicing for only a couple of years. They're like, who the hell's this guy? You know, I'm going (laughs) to run through this guy. (laughs) This guy's nothing. And, and it's, and it's, I don't know, it's pretty funny. I, I, you know, I was lucky that I was, I was taken in uh, and kind of mentored by the attorney that I work for now. And he's really kind of brought me to another level that I don't, I wouldn't have got it that on my own, you know, and he, and he did part, partly that is because throwing it through, threw me in the fire, <laughs> sink <laughs> or swim kind of, but you know, it, it's definitely made me grow and get a skill set that I, I probably would not have. So Matt, when you came to me and we talked about doing the show, you said that you had a passion for helping people protect themselves and you saw a flaw in how people plan for legal events talk a little bit about that what's the flaw in terms of you know people coming to you after the fact yeah i think that's the main thing is is people are always like you know people always are very apprehensive with lawyers they're like god they cost way too much and and i totally agree with that and you know legal fees are expensive but what people don't take into account is getting a lawyer to advise you in the beginning and you know paying whatever it is i mean it depends on the issue obviously but it can be anywhere from five to ten thousand can save you hundreds of thousands down the line by not getting into a lawsuit and having things done right. I mean, you should, it's, I mean, that's probably one of the most depressing things to me is seeing these cases or, you know, having a case and then seeing somebody have to give up halfway through because they just can't finance it anymore. And and it's like, you know, usually in, in, you know, a lot of times it's the, it's not the, the party that, you know, it's the party that's in the right that that has to give up because, you know, I mean, the average lawsuit, easily a hundred thousand dollars plus in in that, that, and that that's like being conservative. I mean the, the average case on our, you know, from our firm, I mean, if you take it full life of the case all the way to trial, easily 200,000. Wow. And what are, what are the typical trials that you work or that your firm handles? Like what's like a normal Uh, ownership disputes? Um, you know, mainly real estate issues. We kind of, anything with a contract where, you know, we, we're really into, contract law and and basically we like to rewrite contracts we like taking them from you know this thing that nobody understands and just breaking it down into simple plain english and and that's really hard to do you know like reading through this and like being like okay what are they really trying to say with this paragraph and and reformatting it and doing it the right way so just anybody can understand it so someone that has a good career going they have a lot of financial assets everything's going just splendid right no lawsuit no problems yet why should they come and talk to you when nothing's wrong? Well, it, I wouldn't say that they should come talk to me if, you know, if they don't think anything's wrong. It's, it's when the issue presents itself, like, you know, say if they're a landlord or they're buying a property and, you know, it just, it kind of just depends. Like, you know, 
usually the more money involved in the situation lets you know that you should probably be consulting with an attorney. And I mean, just, just certain things like, you know, you don't technically need an attorney to buy a property. Um, we, we do review some sales as far as that goes, but that's kind of, that's, you know, you have a broker for that and then that, you know, that's what they're paid to do and that's where their expertise lies. And, you know, what, what we usually end up doing is the re the reason it's good for somebody like an attorney, like our firm to, to look over a sales contract is because we sue people for, <laughs> it's, you know, issues with the sales contract. So we yeah. see what are the most common mess ups that people do and we, you know, we can prevent people from doing that. And I mean, usually it's, you know, the usual case that we get is somebody didn't disclose something. All right. So for today's episode, we're going to be talking about our format, what to expect. If you guys want to tune in and listen to us on a regular basis, um, we'll talk about what's going on in the market. So listeners, you'll always be in tune with what's going on, the, the things that you need to know. We'll talk about what's trending. We'll talk about things that are out there on social media and give our take on it. And then we'll always have featured content, which is going to involve financial and career advancement. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. And we're back. So we're talking about hot topics. So I don't know if you guys have heard much, but there is a quarterback in Indianapolis that just... Hoosiers. Oh. Hoosiers. Oh, the Hoosiers. Oh, boo. boo, I hate the Hoosiers. Uh, so, yes, Andrew Luck. Uh, what do you guys think about this? What's your take on it? I don't know too much, so you guys are going to have to fill me in a little bit on this subject. So I'll give you a little bit of background. He is the franchise quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, CBS Sports Draft Analyst Rob Rain called Luck the best prospect he had ever scouted. Kansas City Star put him in the same category as LeBron James, Bryce Harper, as the most hyped amateurs in recent sports memory. And he came out of Stanford yep. as the number one pick in 2012 yeah he was like a he was like a prodigy in high school i think he went to high school in texas we can like fact check that um but he's brilliant like he's super smart that's how he ended up at stanford and i actually love his decision he's 29 30 and it goes back to like i think he's taking control of his career and he's been in pain for the last four or five years like mm. mainly because his team doesn't know how to draft <laughs> if if you look at the stats like he's been hit like I, there's probably a stat we can dig up but he's been hit like more than any quarterback in the last like five or ten years like it's something crazy but he's always getting hit and sacked and his body's just done dude so he's literally taking taking control of his career and, and saying enough's enough that's kind of like, sad at 29 though to have your body be wrecked like that yeah in the midst of dealing with another injury, Luck is reportedly worn down, according to ESPN's Adam Schiffer. In the seven years in the NFL, Luck has made four Pro Bowl appearances, but also dealt with various injuries and missed the entire 2017 season. Luck still had three years remaining on his five-year, $122 million Dude. contract. 
He is leaving a lot of money on the table, according to Darren Rovell. Luck is passing up on $58 million. So, guys, $58 million to play with a football. That's a lot of money. I mean, is this the right decision? How much has he already made, though? Yeah, that's my question. <laughs> like he, I think he's over. he's made over $100 million already. Yeah, so I get it. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's got a lot of injuries, but I'll tell you this. For a million dollars, I would probably let these linebackers in the NFL, I would give them nunchucks and ninja <laughs> stars, and I would be okay with it as long as I was getting paid a million dollars. So, Yeah, but when you when you made a, over $100 million already. Let's, let's Google it. You got, you got to think that he's probably a smart guy, probably invested that in whatever, and he's got other business things going on that that's probably what his next step is going to be. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I heard something even crazier, Lee. Um, his owner said he's possibly passing up future earnings of like half a billion because he's only 29 and he hasn't had his made like his oh, major yeah. contract. That was going to be the next one. So that that's even crazier. Yeah. But, like, but you know what? It's like, I think, you know, I'm giving the guy a hard time because he makes so much money. But man, I think in my career and what I've noticed is you can have a lot of money, but if you don't have your health, it's not worth anything. And yeah. I think that's what people aren't seeing right now is they're just giving this guy a hard time because he's walking away from so much money and he's, you know, he's had a good life because he's famous. But, man, you all know the damage that the NFL, the game has on these players in terms of, you know, knee injuries, shoulder injuries, and then the Dude, big CTE one, concussion. Too, yeah, yeah concussion. that's the big thing, right? So, yeah, he's a smart guy. He's probably making the right decision, although – if you're if you're an Indianapolis Colts fan, you're probably hating this right now. But, but you think this could be like a like a Conor McGregor kind of thing? Like I'm retiring. Wait, no, I'm not. Maybe, maybe, but I don't know. I, I mean, at 29, he could easily come back. He could, he could. But. Yeah, he could take maybe take a couple of years off. Yeah, heal up, rehab. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. Conor All right, McGregor. on to the next thing. <laughs> Is he still fighting? Yeah, yeah. Everybody wants him to. I don't know if he. Uh, they, there's been like hints of it lately. Uh, he's. Garbage. Well, he wants that fight with Khabib again because that's Khabib's you know, gonna maul him. Everybody wants I don't, to see. We're not, I'm not paying money for that. All right, <laughs> on to the next topic. All right, let's talk about there. All right, there is a war going out there, and I'm not talking about the trade war, U.S. and China. There's a bigger war. Popeyes versus Chick Fil A. <laughs> Woo! What a showdown. So, Chick Fil A, largest chicken and third largest American fast food restaurant, 2,363 locations. 10.5 billion in revenue in 2018 versus Popeyes, 3,102 worldwide locations, revenue roughly 3.7 billion in 2018. Now it's not about the revenue. We'd say uh, Chick Fil A. Wait, did you say billion? Billion. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. But it's not about the revenue war. I think uh, you know Chick Fil A wins that. But it's all about the chicken sandwich, right? And so. I don't, you know, gosh, I hate the internet because I don't know why this is going around so much, but it was just like, we have to talk about it because it is out there. And uh, I'm just going to start by asking Sergio, you know, what do you think <laughs> is the best chicken sandwich? Is there any particular reason why you're starting with no, me? No, no, not at all. <laughs> just thought I would ask. It's fair. There's a long backstory here. <laughs> I don't appreciate this. Hey, hey. also work environment. <laughs> but I do. I am the resident expert on chicken. <laughs> and uh, Popeye's is amazing. There's, a, there's actually one in Gilroy. So for those that don't know the show, we're in Morgan Hill, California right now, South Bay area. Um, Popeye's is delicious. I haven't had the chicken sandwich, though. 
What? I have I, not I've, had I've it had yet. Neither, either. So, I've had the chicken oh. there, and I'm assuming it's just their chicken in a sandwich. Oh, I guess we are not able to talk on this. I thought one of you guys would have had this chicken sandwich. I've just been hearing it trending so much. But I don't know. You guys got to try it yourself. Go out there, buy the sandwich, let us know. Uh, but I'll tell you this. According to USA, as of August 25th, with over 5,000 votes registered, 54.1% of the vote goes to Chick-fil-A. You know, social media is blowing these this yeah. thing up. Like You, you see all these... like. Uh, what do you call it? Like world star and all those things, just throwing up stuff about it. And it, it's for whatever reason, it's catching a lot. Yeah. People are like, they're <laughs> supposedly they're sold out, right? The, yeah. They're sold out. I don't think they're making people. The joke is people will wait in hours to, to get the sandwich, but they won't wait in line to vote. <laughs> That's so sad. Our country is just going to hell. Anyways, Some messed up priorities. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, We're going to go to the break, but when we be back, we'll give you a brief market update, tell you what's going on. Stay tuned. All right, and we're back. So we're talking about what's going on in the market. So it's been very choppy over the last couple months. Uh, Same story, though. It's all about the trade war. It's all about what's happening with China. Um, Looks like this week there appeared to be some stabilization on the global bond market yield as it appears that trade talks are back on with China. So I know this has been really frustrating for a lot of investors over the last year because this has really hurt a lot of people's portfolios. Um, Let me tell you. Yeah, I was going to say this is kind of your this is your area, right? Like what what do you what do you like? What's the I guess like the the plain English overview of what this is and what it means. You know, this has been something that has been the big factor of what's happening in the stock market over the last year. Um, and I, and I'm just telling people that because I get calls about this all day long, this will pass, right? We will get by this, but yes, it's volatile, but don't do anything stupid by (laughs) selling all your investments, getting out of the market, uh, ceasing to your inve- ceasing to do your investments, this will pass. All right. Um, due to the current strength in the economy, the constant demand for labor remains low, and that also has a lot to do with immigration policy. Immigration visas are down fourteen percent from last year, so that's another reason why we are struggling. Besides the trade war with China, you have to look at the fact that there is not enough people to work right now. Right? It's all about yeah, we got low unemployment, but then. It's like, how are you going to hire, right? You need people to hire. And so that's another thing yeah. that I think uh, the media is not picking up on is the fact that we need more people to hire. There's a there's a labor shortage. And uh, in the second quarter, GDP was revised slightly lower but remains in line with estimates. And your jobless claims nudge slightly higher. But overall, that's what's going on. It's all about the trade war. So now we're going to talk about the why in our format, what you guys should expect. So why did we come up with this show? And, you know, we're coming from different uh, paths. Sergio, the career expert. I'm in wealth management. Matt, on the legal side. One of the main reasons we all could agree was uh, to come up with a show that helped everyone see through the BS. There's so much out there, especially in the world of finance. There's all these different products and investments out there, and everyone's got a different strategy. And 
you know, same thing with career, right, Sergio? What I mean, you see yeah. the same sort of thing. I mean, again, it's I love the way you put it, man. It's see through the BS of I think there's a myth that you have to go to an Ivy League school to get into these type of companies. I didn't go to an Ivy League school. You know, and I've I've worked at some of these best companies and it's understanding that you can do it by just working hard and like really understanding your network and that sort of thing. I mean, I don't want to go too deep here, but it's again, seeing through that BS. Exactly. Matt, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, just to piggyback on what Sergio said, it's exactly what it is. It's just like clearing it all up, making it very simple. And, you know, just basically like my, for my part is like, I want to show every, everybody that, you know, whatever legal issue you're confronted with, you can figure it out yourself if you really want to. It's not, it's not like lawyers do something magical. It's, uh, every every legal issue that you're confronted with can easily or not i shouldn't say easily but can can be approached a certain way and you can kind of assess and figure out your risk you know accordingly yeah so for this show we're looking at all these different areas that we're in and we're saying we think that we can help listeners in those areas of their lives and help make a big difference and that's what our mission is. We're here to help with the career advancement, get the investments in order, help you protect your assets, avoid legal trouble. And the other part of the show we figured out that would be the really valuable is bringing on the people that have been successful, right? So a big part about our show is bringing on business owners, thought leaders that have done it, right? So if you stay tuned to our show, you're not only going to learn bits and pieces that are really valuable for your career, financial and protection aspects of your life, but you're also going to learn from the people that have been crazy successful, the people that have made it right. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. We're just trying to find what the people are doing that, that have made it. Yeah. There's <clears throat> like, with you know, you see all the, the books and you know, self-help things on how to level up and whatnot. And, you know, a lot of them are collections of interviews with really successful people. Yeah. And then you start to see a common trend with a lot of these people. And, you know, one thing I see this, I mean, this obviously isn't like some blanket thing that applies to everybody. But one, one common trend I see with a lot of people that are successful and, you know, doing good for themselves is they wake up super early every day. <laughs> it's like it sucks. But it, I think early bird gets the worm. Yeah, I think there's yeah. just something about that, having that discipline to do that on the regular basis and, and just kind of winning that battle of getting up every morning just kickstarts your day into the right, you know, the right mindset. You already conquered yeah. something that's tough just by getting up that early. And listeners, we got up so freaking early this yeah, morning. Yeah, this, this, today Way is a perfect example. <laughs> but dude, yeah, it's you hit it right on the head, man. It's routine. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. I struggle with it. Like I can wake up early, but maybe I'll like sit on my phone for too long and like... <laughs> I'm trying to get there too. And I think all of us are, we've, we've made it pretty, you know, a good step in our career, but I think all of us are trying to get to that next level. Oh yeah. I think definitely. that's a common theme between all yeah. three of us. So Serge, yeah. like in what you're doing, like what is your going to be your message when you're doing the show? Like, what do you get? What, what do you think you can provide that's going to help the listener? I, I think first and foremost, it's sharing one. It's like sharing my experience and helping people understand that they can do it too. I think there's there's this like myth or almost like it's almost impossible to get into tech. And I'm here to tell you that it's not. And I'm here to tell you that I can help you. Um, and it's in a, and I can share my experience and share details about the process that can literally give you the upper hand over the other guy or girl that's applying for the same role. Awesome. Matt, what about you? What do you think you can give to the listeners? 
<clears throat> I mean, just, just, I guess, insight to, you know, how lawyers approach your problem and, and just kind of show you how they can do it too, or how, how the, you know, the average listener can go and approach any kind of problem that they have and figure it out, or at least get a, get a glimpse into what, you know, the legal landscape is before they go and see a lawyer. Cause that's the thing is, is if you know what you're dealing with before you even consult with an, an attorney or whatever, it just, it just helps, you know, cause then you, then you're going to understand what they're up against and what they have to do. And, you know, it's just, it's just better to, I guess my, my whole thing is that I just want to educate people and, and just show the people how they can educate themselves. So, cause a lot, I think a lot of people see a lawyer like is like doing something really special or, you know, something that they can't do. And, and it's so not true. You, you, I mean, anybody can go, it just takes time and it's, it sucks. You know what I mean? You got to go read cases and some of them, sometimes they're really old. And, you know, like I've read cases back in 1859 or 1879 or something like that. It's a bad time for my people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just some crazy, crazy stuff. So, you know, some really old English, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's dry and it's horrible, but you know, anybody can do it. And, and it's just a matter of, you know, how much, how much time do you want to put into it? Yeah. Lee, can I ask you the same question? Yeah. So guys, for me, what I'm trying to do is, put a message out there that you know being wealthy i you hear all this stuff in the media that like oh these people just had money and blah 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 blah. i'll tell you what man i've been working with uh you know hundreds of different people in my career and i'll tell you what overwhelming large majority of these people that have done it it's about their discipline it's about their behavior it's their decisions right being wealthy is not um, a luck of the draw. It isn't a roll of the dice. It is a decision. It is a decision, right? It is a, it's about your budgeting. It's about the fact, are you saving, right? Are you avoiding credit card debt? And how are you living your life, right? I'll tell you this, man. I come across people that make a lot of money and they spend a lot of money. They're not doing that great. And then there's people that can save and they don't care about what their Instagram account is showing. They don't care about their Facebook posts to their, of their nice vacation of putting up the nice vacation. They don't care about keeping up with the Joneses. They care about what's important. They care about saving for their family, saving for retirement, the things that really matter. Right? So my big message to the listeners is you can become wealthy. It doesn't matter what you're making right now. You know, Get on the right career path. You don't need to make crazy money. You just have to make smart decisions, right? Smart decisions every single day. It's that walk into Walmart and you see that big screen TV. It's that walk away. So I shouldn't have bought Kimberly that Apple Watch. Definitely not. Definitely not. We'll put that on our uh, financial fails (laughs) episode. But yeah, that's the main thing. Being wealthy is a decision. And in this show, I want to give people insight into how to make those smart decisions in terms of how they live their life and give them the guidance in investing because there's so many different ways out there but i feel like i know the ways that are going to help people um and the big thing is you know you know you got to be patient right Uh, people our society is all about instant gratification how can i get rich quick how can i make money now and that's not how it's done it's done with hard work it's done with patience and uh you know, that's how the investing world is. And I want to give people the roadmap on how to do that. Um, going on to future episodes. Um, 
Matt, why don't you talk about financial fails and what you're going to be giving the listeners moving forward? Well, financial fails, we're, we're just basically going to take some examples of, you know, decisions people have made that are, uh, put them in a very bad spot and that, you know, might seem like common sense to some people, but a lot of people do it. So, you know, it, uh, it's, I don't know. We're just going to take some common things. I mean, sometimes you'll see them on social media. Sometimes you'll see like little articles about them, but I mean, you, for example, you could just, you know, the one that comes to mind is, you know, when the whole cryptocurrency bubble thing was going on, people were taking mm-hmm. second and third mortgages and throwing it all into cryptocurrency mm-hmm. when it was that tight, <laughs> yep. you know, just, just dumb stuff like that. And, uh, you know, just kind of try to help people stay on, stay away from those bad decisions. Tell us about your first financial fail you'll be giving on the next episode. Yeah. Well, in the next episode I'll be talking about, um, the, the legal topic I'll be talking about is the kind of like holding property and title to property and kind of the implications that can come from your you know decision of what form you decide to hold title in and in more more importantly who you put on title with you know you or if it's just by yourself but uh i think the one financial fail that i actually see a lot as an attorney is when somebody puts their significant other on title when that person didn't buy the house didn't contribute to it, doesn't pay the mortgage, doesn't do anything. They just put them there for whatever reason they have. And then they break up. And then later on down the line, they're, they're not married, by the way, because if they're married, then it goes into family court. But if that, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, it, I get it in civil litigation. And uh, yeah, it's a mess. And then you're going to, you know, the, 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 the real, the real truth of that is, you know, you're going to spend tons of money just trying to prove that you didn't give that person a gift. <laughs> so it sounds like you got a great episode and what's it? Who are the people you made? Matt, Matt made a great episode, but Sally. Oh, and Harry, Harry and Sally, Harry yeah. and Sally. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, tell us a little, just give the listeners a little bit about Harry and Sally. Yeah, don't not, go into not the whole too thing. Much. We don't want to we'll save it for away. the next, next episode. Oh, it just shows the, the evolution of someone's decisions in a relationship of, uh, you know, and the choices they made of sharing title with that person and, and what that result can be. And basically it, it shows you the, the, the decision that a person who makes or basically it, sh- it shows you where that person ends up and what they, and what they have to decide from. And they basically either way they go, it's a shitty decision. So, you know, it, it just basically it's, it's meant as a, a protection to people to, to know that, Hey, if I do something like this, I'm going to be in a bad spot. <laughs> so just to give listeners a little insight into the upcoming financial fails, I think Harry is a successful tech worker and, uh, yeah, he's your average Bay area tech guy. Yeah. You know, makes good money right out of college. You know, he's actually one of the elite that's actually able to afford a, a home in the Bay area. Right. Yeah. And we, we decided that Sally was a Colombiana on a 90 day visa visiting well, the u.s yeah Wait, isn't she an instagram well, model yeah she's an instagram oh model, she's an yeah. instagram model yeah. IG. she's instagram Fantastic. famous <laughs> i trust her already bad decisions harry <laughs> <laughs> all right so stay tuned for that and uh on the next episode we'll also be talking career uh serge give us a little insight into what you'll be talking about yeah i think i think it'll be good to start with just giving people kind of the under hood under the hood look at what it's really like working at Google, Amazon, Facebook, good, bad, and the ugly. Of the three, sneak peek, Amazon's definitely the worst. Don't, don't work <laughs> I've heard there. that. I've heard other things about that, even at like lower levels, like the warehouses and whatnot. Yeah, so I, I was obviously in a corporate role, um, but the warehouses, are, it's a shit show. Yeah. Um, 
terrible working conditions. I'm at even at the corporate level, there's so Bezos is he's he's a genius, yeah. but he also is ruthless and he does not care about people's morale or like uh, work life balance. It just, it just wasn't sustainable. I learned a lot, developed a lot there. Just terrible. But uh, Google and Facebook just give you guys a good look at what it's really like Dude, working Bezos there. Bezos is going to get a hit on you, man. Yeah. <laughs> Dropping names. Uh, uh, Amazon people, names. Sergio did not mean that. <laughs> I, I definitely kidding. did. Um, but no, I just give you guys a, a good look and understanding of what it's like working at pretty much three the three most powerful companies in the world. Awesome. And then for the next episode, we'll also be talking about how your college background we all hear that when you need to spend money on college, go to a great school. Sergio and I will both be talking about if that's true. Is it, does it matter if you go to Stanford or Notre Dame or Harvard? And does that translate to your success? I know there's a lot of noise out there about if it does or it doesn't. And we'll be exploring that. We'll be telling you, yeah, it does or no, it doesn't. Right. And so I think that'll be really insightful for a lot of people. Um, especially in the lawyer world, yeah, school, same yeah. thing. Yeah, education and your schooling is, yeah, is we'll everything. be talking all about does education, the expensive education we all pay for. We got a student debt crisis out there right oh, now. Um, is it all worth it? No, does it translate to your success? Well, stay tuned for next episode and we'll talk all about it. Thank you guys for tuning in today, it's been great. Thank you for listening to episode one, and we can't wait to. See what episode two has in store. So long for now. Advisory services offered through RMP Advisory Services Incorporated, a registered investment advisor with Securities Exchange Commission. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA, w.finra.org, SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed with the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. The Free Retiree, RMP Advisory Services, and Securities America are separate entities. Career advisor Sergio Patterson and attorney Matt McGillroy are not affiliated with RMP Advisory Services or Securities America companies. Securities America, RMP Advisory Services Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. Third-party sourced information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. All or a portion of this event was paid by a third party.